0: What's up? This is Last Coffee House, and we are doing a Tarantino retrospect. Perspective. I just watched his first four movies and so I want to talk about him in light of the release of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I, I loved. So different movies have different reputations and different things kind of resonated from the different movies. And it's funny, in his later career, he's had less resonant films. But he started out, he started out with Reservoir Dogs. Now, I remember the first time I saw Reservoir Dogs and how blown away I was. One of the things that... This isn't just going to be a... a a gush fest or anything like that i know tarantino's great but uh there are things about the the movies that do stand out as as weaker points of it obviously reservoir dogs was a low budget it had amazing performances by most of the lead actors i mean steve buscemi does such a great job you've got tim roth at the center you've got harvey keitel of course killing it you've got chris penn michael Ma- michael manson right that's his name <laughs> Uh, how much has he done beyond Tarantino? I know he's in species, right? That was a, that was a big thing. He was in species, but all of them. and there there are numerous iconic aspects of this movie. So just when it comes to the guys walking, you know in the suits, the scene where Michael Madsen's cutting off the cop's ear, obviously spoiler alert. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't seen these at this point? But I love it. one of the moments I absolutely love. Obviously, there's the, the mix-up of time, but one of the moments I absolutely love in this movie is when Harvey Keitel and Michael Madsen are going at it, and then the tension's broken or <laughs> seemingly broken. And then Michael Madsen's like says something to the effect of, Oh, my heart's racing. I bet you're a big Lee Marvin fan. You know, that kind of a that tonal aspect just it adds something else to it than just a simple, you know, caper movie or something like that. When I initially saw Reservoir Dogs, I definitely thought that the scene where Tim Roth is like going through his story, where he's just repeating, like he's going over it and over and over it to try to get it down and then telling it to them, and it's cutting to him going into the actual bathroom to, and he sees the police officers with the dog and all that stuff. When I initially saw this movie, that part of it just seemed slow to me and it annoyed me. But when I just rewatched it, I actually, I loved that part of it. I love that he was, he had the temerity to just ruminate in this area where he shows it through different different perspectives as, as it's being developed and all the work that went into him just being able to say this one anecdote to sell these guys on him being a criminal. It, I thought it was great and it's one of those Tarantino things that Tarantino can really sit in a scene and let it play out and not feel insecure about whether the audience is, is going to keep paying attention or anything like that. It gets him into problem into trouble in some movies but in this one I think it's, it's really well balanced. One of the scenes I didn't like very much was when Chris Chris Penn and Michael Madsen and uh, what's his name? can't remember his name. When they're all in the office, like in his office, and they're talking about him just getting out of jail and and they're gonna give him work and and all that. I know it's important to set up their relationship for later for Chris Penn to really go off. I I love that part too. There's so many good parts of this. But I didn't really like that scene. I didn't like how it was blocked much. Uh, You know, they get into a scuffle, a couple of scuffles. I don't like the dialogue much in it. That was kind of my least favorite aspect of the movie and the gritty look of it it really contributes now you know from the future it really contributes to it but definitely doesn't look as good anywhere near as good as a lot of his later films but i still i mean it's definitely an iconic post in the history of a film but overall it's got a great structure you know it's got the interesting tarantino dialogue some of it is certainly off color but it's it's enjoyable uh, that he gives so much time to this kind of a thing like i said i like the scene that really long scene about him trying to work that out i like a lot more on this viewing than i did historically and a lot of the performances are just so good i love that steve buscemi gets away (laughs) <laughs> He's the one who runs out after it all, climbs, crawls out of the thing and gets gets away. So that's Reservoir Dogs. Uh, pulp Fiction was his next one. Pulp Fiction, of course, everybody's heard of this. This is the one that I, I lament the fact because today you can watch like, oh, everybody's responses, you know, reactions to the Red Wedding. Yeah, everybody's reactions to the Thanos snap. You can watch videos of that online. But you don't get to watch people's initial, actual visceral reactions to Pulp Fiction, which it's just this thing in my brain now that it's like i can't believe that this movie exists and that these things happened at some point somebody had walked into this movie not knowing what they were in for and then watching it and being just completely blown away now when it comes to tarantino i know he had a conversation with oliver stone at some point he recounted this that oliver stone stone said something about how tarantino doesn't really have anything to say he doesn't like work in any kind of a sociological or philosophical messages into his movies or anything he's just telling a story in a creative way but that's really tarantino's method of course he switches that up a bit as we go along and we'll talk about that but there aren't kind of complex thematics or philosophies or things like that that are working their way through his movies and this is kind of the pinnacle of narrative storytelling in a creative way it's not so much about the point a to point b it's about point a and point a small a and point a small a small a (laughs) on the way you know to point b experiencing the path while you're on it and tarantino really forces you to do that instead of just plugging in okay here's scene establishing this thing here's scene establishing this thing he's saying sit here and pay attention to this thing that's happening to you right now appreciate this thing we're gonna move along because we have to move along but you need to appreciate this right now and Pulp Fiction really was the one I read a story about how and I don't know if it's apocrypha or not but some woman during the scene where there was John Travolta's that holds the needle over Uma Thurman's chest and he's about to stick it in that when when he stuck it in <laughs> <laughs> that the woman had a heart attack in the theater or something like that so uh, i know i want to go back i want to read like all the initial responses to pulp fiction to see how people really responded to it. i remember it was it was a really big deal i had heard about it just was it 94 uh, so i heard about it you know just anecdotally uh, before i saw it i didn't see it in theaters was i even old? i wasn't no i wasn't old enough i wouldn't have been able to go see this without a chaperone <laughs> but i would heard about it uh, at some point and then eventually watched it and just just, i mean my mind was blind i didn't know where it was going what was happening so many things from this more so than reservoir dogs so many things from this actually became iconic related to breaking up the timelines the looks the just when it comes to like uma Thurman's character the dancing remember the two two fingers thing i mean obviously i saw parodies all throughout like the simpsons would par- have parodies of it all the time oh so just talk i think most people when they see this movie the butch timeline and the butch narrative are kind of the one with bruce willis's character people find that the least interesting part of the movie is everything that has to do with butch when i was watching it this time i actually did appreciate it more because i appreciated that like butch and his girlfriend they have an interesting dynamic in the way that they work together and like when he's talking to what is her name esmeralda villalobos or whatever in the taxi like this could just be a really simple kind of a he's he's in a taxi or they don't even show it he just runs away and they just cut to him getting to the place something like that but tarantino makes a point of actually making something out of this where she's interested morbidly in this thing that happened and then he has to learn about how he killed the guy and how he you know is boasting and is like well he shouldn't have stepped in the in the ring with me and then when he gets to the girlfriend they have kind of this weird dynamic between them i mean there are things that like how would you as a writer think of the things to do like she's talking about how she wish she had a pot belly it's like how do you think of this kind of a thing it's an intimate thing that they can share it's it's unique it's weird and it seems to fit with this kind of a character and not only that but she seems to have the power in the dynamic related to them until he brings up the watch and she forgot the watch until then then he establishes that you know he has the power and it's it's through affection uh, that he relinquishes it or uh, that she takes it you know it could be her just feeling uh, bad for having forgot this, forgotten this thing but not only that but the whole watch thing is an extra level you know of unique storytelling aspect. so i think i appreciated it more it's not as flashy or interesting obviously travolta and uma thurman get to go to like the restaurant wax museum <laughs> and they go to uh they get to do a lot of the fun interesting stuff and then you've got the whole robbery in the restaurant and and all that you've got the stuff with when they have to clean out the car and harvey Keitel. all that's really kind of flashier stuff than what butch does even though he i mean he shoots somebody and all that but still so i think there's more to it it's just it doesn't have kind of the colors or the pop or the the stuff that you can you can parody as easily obviously the basement definitely gets parodied and was definitely surprising and from but from a storytelling perspective it's just so fascinating that you're able to get into a i don't know any other movie that any other movie was able to do this historically anywhere you really didn't know where it was going or what was going to happen and what was coming next most movies you've got some kind of an idea i mean she ods and it's a whole part of the story that they have to deal with this they happen to be at a at a robbery when it takes place the the whole sadomasochistic sadomasochistic sex dungeon i mean what other movie takes you on this kind of a ride and i guess that's why it's it's so iconic and and means so much when i was watching it this time i don't think i i picked out anything that really annoyed me or that put me off or anything like that i think i just i enjoyed the having seen it before i just enjoyed the ride again enjoyed the performances enjoyed the mixed up timeline lines. I think I I liked Harvey Keitel's character more this time. It's something you grow into when you really start understanding film. It's something you grow into to be able to just appreciate a filmmaker being able to take his time and sit down on something instead of just rushing through it to get to a climax. I guess, same thing when it comes to sex, I guess. But I guess maybe a lot of people do just want to rush to the climax. Anyway, that's that's Pulp Fiction. Obviously, Samuel L. Jackson does a fantastic job. There are some aspects of his, his performance throughout the whole movie is incredible, especially when it's with Tarantino, when they're dealing with Marvin. <laughs> his performance is absolutely fantastic incredible there are some aspects of his performance right at the end when they're in the restaurants um when he's talking to travolta and he's like you need to cease asking scary questions and when he's trying to be all talmudic or something like that is talmudic talmudic that's a thing right when he's trying to be like that there's something about his performance that kind of goes a little off uh and then when he's talking to tim roth's character when he's got him sitting down and and they're talking and he's kind of going through why he said that bible quote and he's trying to puzzle it out that part goes on a little too long as far as i remember or as i experienced it then but extremely limited criticisms to, to it even today i've been watching it for a long time you know occasionally I'll, I'll pop it on and it's just it's so good it's so important as a part of cinema for so many reasons okay so on to jackie brown i think it is his most underrated film and jackie brown is one of the characters that should be brought up and i don't know why she's not amongst the great and i hate to Put it in these categories. She's just one of the great characters, but a lot of people obviously, when they talk about female leads, there's a lot of this talk right now. I know it's all virtue signaling and they're not actually thinking about reality or considering reality. I get that. But Jackie Brown is a fantastic character, she's a very good character. And this movie is the most narratively driven as opposed to ruminative or episodic of Tarantino's movies, at least to what I got to now. But this one is very narratively driven. It's about 0.8 to point B, it does spend time at a lot of those points in between but it's still, it's more about getting through the narrative and easing its way all the way through it and telling a story instead of really spending time and being interested in like the art of writing, the art of filmmaking but that's not to say, I mean this is a fantastic movie by those standards, by narrative standards, it's a fantastic movie I, I love it, like Jackie Brown, like I said excellent character, she's not only the one who eventually overcomes you know, all the other things and and wins and all that. But she earns it. Uh, She gets to outsmart people in very believable ways. She's concerned. Like, she's not just, she's not a Mary Sue that you see so much because people are so terrified of giving a flaw to a character. She has a bunch of flaws, but they're reasonable flaws. You know, she's concerned over her looks and aging. She's concerned over her plan and expresses that concern. She makes mistakes, but she eventually gets to that point and outsmarts everybody else. And it's just, it's fantastic. I've I've watched it again recently and I just I love the dynamic like Samuel Jackson's character too this is what protagonists antagonists should look like (laughs) you know is that the protagonist and the antagonist both have their great strengths and both have flaws you know and they both have to deal with serendipitous things that arise as they're going along I love that uh what's his name Max Cherry I can't remember the actor's name I know this actor is one of those prolific actors I've seen when I checked his IMG DB page the guy has been in so much stuff and he's still working he's been going forever he does such a great job such an incredible amazing job with their dynamic their relationship between Jackie Brown and Max Cherry as the character not only that but like when he's being threatened by Samuel L. Jackson he does such a good job in those scenes and Samuel L. Jackson absolutely knocks it out of the park because like I said he expresses vulnerability you know he goes he's just trying to game everybody but he's he has issues with it and doesn't do a great job i mean he's he does such a good job in this performance i don't think i noticed any seams in his performance in this i don't think there were any times where i was just like that wasn't a very good aspect of his performance or anything like that i think the whole time i thought he was doing a fantastic job and you've got excellent supporting performance i mean bridget fonda does such a good job being just annoying robert de niro in a very kind of limited role he does so much with it and i mean i pretty much can only gush about this movie i It doesn't push the boundaries of, you know, like writing and filmmaking in general. It's mostly just a narrative, not like Pulp Fiction did, you know, um, when it came to timelines and storytelling and all that. But this one's pretty much a straightforward narrative. You can pretty much anticipate a lot of the things that are going to happen, but it's done in a very creative way. But there aren't many faults throughout this whole movie. It's just it does such a good job. And I love how when we get to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when they're talking about how Sharon Taylor... You know, Margot Robbie's character had so little to say they completely forget the fact that Tarantino made Jackie Brown with a black female Protagonist who's a real character. They completely forget that but they want to talk about how Margot Robbie That's why it made so much sense for him to just be like I reject the premise of your question done You know, I don't need to respond to that. That's ridiculous. That's Jackie Brown I mean, I highly recommend it. Like I said, it's more straightforward narrative than it is pushing the boundaries of film and writing It's just for the acting and the performance performances and the writing of the two leads it's it's absolutely worth it so good so wonderful okay so kill bill the Kill Bills one and two. Kill Bill one. The thing that stands out for me, which stands out, uh, I didn't mention it, but it stands out a lot in a lot of Tarantino's movies. The music. I always, I love just turning it on in the beginning when you hear that that initial from. It was, it's Nancy Sinatra, right? The Nancy Sinatra song. You hear that that initial tone <laughs> from that. And it sounds great. But the music really stands out to me for Kill Bill one. The colors are a really big deal. You know, obviously her iconic suit. Uh, the iconic scene at the end. The distinction. The yellow jumpsuit with the black stripes i've seen parodied a million times great setup obviously this is tarantino trying to take a a particular genre a b action kung fu movie genre and update it and it really works he has the mixing up of timelines there are aspects of this because it's there are very long action scenes especially you know the end one obviously but it doesn't really have the storytelling that you'd you'd hope for or even all that much dialogue that you'd hope for the in one it has that one sequence that's like anime and i always thought it looked great i always thought it looked fantastic to show oren ishii's backstory Uh, i really like l driver she absolutely killed it for me especially in the second one but i think she does a very good job lucy Liu does a very good job i think the performances are very i mean david carradine obviously does very good he's a little overestimated his abilities i think this was tailor-made for him though and he does a very good job i mean there are a couple of shots that kind of annoy me there are some sequences that that do a little too much and i know there's like some attitude that's trying to be cultivated throughout where she's like when she puts on the glasses after she kills that one guy that just kind of irked me a little bit (laughs) that i feel like it just doesn't quite work right i don't know there's something about it and then the thing is like i'd love to be able to find more thematics in tarantino's movies but he doesn't i don't know if he just didn't have the interest or the maturity at the time to be able to do that because he absolutely knocks it out of the park in once upon a time in hollywood and he mixes a little bit of it into inglorious bastards but he kind of leaves it aside for most of the other ones it's just once upon a time in hollywood is the one where he really does something thematically on top of the storytelling and his filmmaking in general but there's a bit of thinness to the kill bills i understand that it's just an action movie and it's playing on the genre the kung fu movie genre but there is a little bit of thinness that kind of takes away from its resonance Uh, but the the music definitely keeps me going along uma thurman does a very good job especially in the second kill bill she how she has to react to things (laughs) and how much abuse she has to go through Uh, and i don't mean oh my gosh i i think i talked about this at some point where like stories came out that tarantino forced her to drive too fast and he shouldn't have done that she's an adult is she a capable adult who can do what she thinks is safe or not safe for herself or does she need the world to step in and protect her because she's so pathetic and weak my god anyway so she does a very good job especially in the second one like when she meets bb and has to deal with bill and has to you know gets the truth serum or whatever and all that stuff Uh, i mean she does a very very good job and there are only very fleeting moments in the fight scenes where it didn't seem realistic or genuine, and I don't mean realistic in because this is, this is like a kung fu movie. She could flip all over the place and all that sort of stuff. I mean like when it comes to the force or ability that she's exhibiting and whether that was believable that she was winning in the fights that she was, you know, engaging in. For the most part, it looked perfect and it's one thing that I love that annoyed me about the new Star Wars movie, that it just was not believable. Uh, that Like the choreography and especially in that red fight, I don't know why everybody loves that scene so much. I mean, I don't think there are all that many people who love that scene so much. Especially when she's training, but when she's in the red scene too, where it's just like, I don't believe Daisy Ridley has the ability to do any of those things that she would be able to muster the amount of force necessary. But I believe Uma Thurman has the ability to do those things through virtually every move that she does in all the fight scenes, uh, I believe it. There are just some where she seemed a little awkward. If you want to see incredible fight scenes that make perfect sense, that happen to be women doing it, because I know we have to separate everything on this basis now, but if you want to see excellent fight scenes where it's 100% believable that the women are beating the hell out of the men, go to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Those are some of my favorite fight scenes, especially sword fighting scenes I've ever seen in my freaking life. And there's no seam where you say, oh, these women wouldn't be doing this or this doesn't make any sense or it's not believable it's beautiful and it's perfect and i won't accept anybody saying otherwise that's ridiculous but kill bill 2 so you know it's got a different kind of colors and palette different setup i like the bud is kind of just a washout. he works at a titty bar (laughs) and i like how that works out and how he dies i think it makes sense remember kill bill 1 and kill bill 2 they're both premised on like kill bill 1 is just her killing two people that's the whole movie (laughs) (laughs) it's <laughs> just going after and she kills one of them like right in the beginning so a lot of tarantino it seems like they are longer than they need to be but i do kind of understand <laughs> but kill bill 2 you know uh, you've got the different setup with bud and different situation and you, you've got to put your protagonist into peril and get them out of it in believable ways and I, I kind of appreciate the way he did it and the way it all resolved i think did it a, a very very good job it just it's a little thin you know the kill bills are a little little thin relative to other attempts at filmmaking his other movies uh but they're definitely ones that i come back to like i've watched the first kill bill a million times kill bill 2 has that grittier feel to it and it's a little grosser it's a little less cartoonish in the violence and the gore and all that stuff so it's it's different but kill bill 2 it's really gritty and dirty and gross then they get to that great looking house at the end like i said they're probably both a little too long but otherwise very good movies so those are first four those are the first four uh the the next ones are going to be death proof inglorious bastards Django unchained and the hateful eight i think yeah so i don't know how much i'm going to talk about once Upon a time hollywood i really want to i want to wait till it comes out so i can watch it a couple more times and then really go into it but anyway uh, yeah much appreciated thank you very much for listening this is part one part two will be coming out i'm sorry i keep shifting from tuesday thursday to wednesday friday i was telling myself that i was trying to figure out which was set of days did better you know when it came to downloads or interest but really it's it's just laziness it's just i haven't been getting them done ahead of time in enough time to be able to edit them to be able to get them out at 11 on the tuesdays thursdays so i'm gonna try to get back on that and get that done it's just been crazy lately so thank you again very much for listening i love talking about movies i wish i could do more but anyway hope all is well okay bye gee we ought to do something fred Okay. How's about taking a nap? Hey, I got a better idea. Let's take a Winston break. That's it. Winston is the one filter cigarette that delivers flavor 20 times a pack. Winston's got that filter blend.